Do you enjoy movies? Do you enjoy adult beverages? Do you enjoy conversations that could go off the rails at any second? If you said yes to any of these questions, then you should check out the Films and Fermentation podcast. I'm Leo. I'm Kevin. I'm Mike. We're just three friends. Who like to talk shit about movies. While getting shit-faced. So join us every week as we discuss interesting movie topics like best ensemble films, most paused moments in cinema, and the occasional movie review, plus so much more. When you add drinking, you have no idea where this conversation could go. So find us on Spotify, Apple Pods, Good Pods, YouTube, or wherever you go to listen to your favorite shows. You could also visit linktree.com slash films and fermentation to find all of our social media and podcast links. We'll be waiting for you to join us weekly at the crossroads between pickled and fermented. Cheers. Cheers. This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Deluxe Edition. I am your host, Casey Shearer. Joining me, as always... L. Ray Sexton. What's going on, Casey? Not too much tonight, buddy. How are you? Oh, you know, we're having a nice relaxing Sunday. Yeah, this was, uh, <laughs> was it relaxing? We just did two fucking interviews. It was one of the, one of the most stressful nights of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. It wasn't bad. It was fun. No, this was these were yeah these were two of the greatest uh, episodes that we've had. You'll uh, you'll see who was the first one that we did tonight. The the one that the one that we're talking about right now. Uh, internet cooking sensation Bill Harlow. Yeah, this was a fun one, man. We learned a lot about cooking tonight, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Some things we we will do. Some things we won't do. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of what that went down like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was uh this was a cool interview though. Bill puts a lot of effort into his Instagram channel. Go check it out. Cook with Bill over on Instagram. A lot of cool recipes. He does a lot of experimental stuff as he talks about in the interview. But before that, let's just do uh some of the house cleaning here quick, Ray, and then uh we'll get right into it. What do you say? Sounds good. All right, we are a part of the Deluxe Edition Network. You can find all of the other podcasts on the network over at deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Podcasts of the month this month are Friends Talking Nerdy and Films and Fermentation. Go check them out. Great podcasts over on deluxeeditionnetwork.com. I think we're up to 33 podcasts now, Ray, right? That sounds about right. Yeah, and there's some uh, there's some great shows over there. Uh, if you'd like to see any of our previous shows, go over to deluxeedition.show. You can find all of our previous episodes over there. Or head over to Instagram. Check out what Ray's doing over there on Instagram, at deluxeeditionpod. What are some of the things you're doing over there, Ray? Mostly memes. That's that's about our, our forte at the moment. A lot of memes. Memes and reels yep. from the show. Yeah, that's what we're doing. All right, and let's see. Check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash deluxe edition pod. And let's see. If you want to buy a t-shirt, go to whatamaneuver.net slash collection slash deluxe dash edition. And if you'd like to get any of the bootleg stuff that Ray's been putting on, like that beautiful shirt that he's wearing there tonight. Official uh, bootleg merchandise over at the 10 Cent Beer Night Podcast Tee Public page. You can get this shirt in like 60 colors you can't get that on the official site it comes in black over there so yeah just so you're aware it also comes in a in a sweet v-neck so if you want to show off your chest hairs yeah buddy and our sponsor sunday scaries is back right oh nice yeah if you'd uh, like to get 20 percent off of your sunday scaries order 
go over to sundayscaries.com and use code deluxe 15 to save 20% off our previous deal was 15% off. You're getting 20% off now. And uh, Ray, they have something now called Sunday Scaries Couch Potatoes. These are adult gummies for chilling. Somehow, I don't know how they do it. I don't ask questions, but this is uh, legal THC. It's called Delta 9 THC. And they work, buddy. I'm going to tell you that right now. We had a uh, we had one of our clients try some, and I said, uh, "Did they do anything for you?" And he said, "Well, uh, my wife said I seemed more jolly today, so as opposed to a raging lunatic that he normally is." <laughs> so take it take it for what you will. Uh, more jolly, and they also have these other ones. These extra, they're just regular CBD gummies, uh, and they also have these uh these other the unicorn jerky it's just another another kind of uh candy and these are really good i tried some of these the other day the flavor of these is really good so check them out sundayscaries.com use code deluxe 15 to save 20 percent anything else right not let's get to it all right here is our chat with bill Harlow. Thanks for joining us tonight, man. Uh, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself uh, while, before we get started here? Yeah, yeah. Thanks thanks for having me on. I think you guys know I cook. I mean, that's why I'm here, I think. Yep. <laughs> or this ugly mug, one of the two, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously the, the cooking thing is something I've been doing for a little over two years now, and it's got a little bit of a following get to experiment all the time, which is, you know, what I kind of am leaning towards a little bit now and joke all the time that I'm not a barbecue guy because uh, I'm not. <laughs> Even though I cook a lot of barbecue, I still have a, a lot to learn and still upset a lot of folks uh, with what I make with my barbecue. So I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun place to be. Well, what are people getting upset about, about the barbecue? You're uh, <laughs> in the comments, well, people are, people are complaining. Well, you know, there's, I mean, the barbecue community is a great community. I mean, everyone's, everyone's friends, right? But, but, you know, I'm not a traditional barbecue guy in any way, shape or form that, you know, I'll introduce sous vide into barbecue cooking, or maybe I'll combine things that not, are not normally combined in a way that, you know, say, oh, that's, that's Texas barbecue, or that's Western Carolina barbecue, or that's South Carolina barbecue, or that's, Texas barbecue or in California barbecue, you know, everyone has kind of their own way of doing it. And I don't necessarily have a niche. So I, I like to experiment across. And sometimes people are like, oh, no, you destroyed Texas barbecue today. I'm like, well, this isn't Texas barbecue. It's something else. I'm not sure what it is, but it's not Texas barbecue. Right. Yeah. Barbecue people are like, there's uh, there's all different kinds of sauces, right? There's like Texas barbecue sauce. Then there's the Carolina sauce, right? And there's different mixtures of everything, right? Different types of wood. It may be even the cuts of meat. You know, you think of uh, like tri-tip, you know, that's typically a California thing. And now everybody in the world is destroying it because they've like, oh, we cook it better than California. They've been doing it for like forever. And we're just now learning about it. We're not out cooking them in any way, shape, or form. We're just doing it differently. What inspired you to get into the cooking? And I guess, well, even go back further than that. Like, what did you do before the the Instagram took off? Yeah, uh, so like like a lot of people, I jumped in right right in with COVID. You know, it was I'm now at home. I am fending for myself a little bit more than what I used to. the The options of stopping through drive through and or grocery store hot hot bar and picking up dinner really didn't exist anymore. Um, the other other part of it too for me was at an hour commute, sometimes an hour and a half, sometimes two hours, depending on traffic. So when you get you know you get home at seven seven thirty at night, it's what can I get done quick and easy? And it was it was you know fast food or drive through or the grocery store. And then suddenly COVID happened, and a lot of my options went away, and I had a little bit more time, and was spending a lot more time at home, like a lot of people. And, you know, the first first little bit of time was, you know, pretty good. You know, then you realize you don't know how to cook. 
real fast. <laughs> and your delivery options for food kind of went away. And, and where I live at, it was already limited with delivery services already. So throw in everyone else's has demand for it and there's not a lot of places to go for it. And I was running out of options and or at least the same options. And the things I did know how to cook were this comes out of a jar and heat and serve. Uh, this goes in the microwave, heat and serve. So I, so I was running out of those ideas real fast and uh, spent a little time on YouTube trying to figure out how to make the things I missed and really just experimented with food in general. You know, I, I didn't have a cooking background at all. And like I said, everything I cooked was simple or, you know, just in time type meals. I don't know how many frozen pizzas I ate like the first part of COVID, <laughs> like a lot of folks. And uh, just started to learn and started to experiment and, you know, just grow a little bit. And I uh, started posting things on my personal Instagram and, you know, had the three friends that would like it, which I thought was awesome. You know, at least three people liked it. And then uh, a couple of friends started complaining about I was posting too much food. Like, you know, we're, we're eating out of cardboard boxes. We're eating out, you know, all the, you know, things that aren't good. And, you know, one of them challenged me. It's like, you know, could you just maybe make another account and just put your food out there? Because if we want to follow it, we will. If we don't, we don't. But we can still see your personal Instagram account and not get mad at you for eating better than us. And uh, so I did. So I, on a whim one night, posted a photo of a steak, which, you know, now I'm kind of embarrassed by it. But back then I was super excited about it. And five people liked it. And I was like, wow, I'm plus two people liking my food right now. And of those five people, none of them were my friends either. So I felt I really liked being an accomplishment to the world by posting a steak photo. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, I had a lot of content at that point. So I just started posting a photo a day. And along the way, it turned into reels, you know, doing more video work. And it just, it just grew. Um, I still don't know why some days, because I do post things that I don't think are, are all that great. And like, even today, what was posted was something really simple. And it's got close to 2000 views, which I still can't figure out why because it's 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 nothing special. It's just a quesadilla, but you know it's one of those things that I guess people like today. <laughs> um, you know, and it's it's been it's been a, a, real, a lot of fun. You know, got to learn a lot about cooking. Made a lot of friends in the cooking community, not just barbecue, but you know, all all over the place, and really learned a lot. Things that I wouldn't even know, be able to talk about two years, three years ago. And now, you know, in some ways I feel like I know more about it than other people, um, which is, which is really exciting because, you know, I look at, you know, I go back and look all the time at things I posted a year ago. And some of the things I post now, I didn't even know about a year ago. Didn't know the spice or I didn't know the cut of meat. Maybe didn't know what grass fed grass finished meant. And that's, you know, like a really big thing for me now. Um, even sous vide, I, I knew what it was. And I used to joke about it a long time ago that, oh, it's just boil and bag. And now I, I spend more time thinking about time and temperature and things like that than I probably should. But it's become you know, just something I enjoy doing now. So you mentioned experiment, experimenting a, a bunch there. <laughs> so like when you first started, were you were you going online and just finding recipes to make the things or were you actually like, you know, making your own recipes to start? No, coming out of the gate, I would go on YouTube. I would Google something like, you know, how do I make, you know, salmon? <laughs> and you come, and it would come back with thousands of options for salmon. You know, there may be bake it, you fry it, you roast it. And for me, it was just like, I just want to make salmon that looks maybe like what I used to get at the store or the grocery store. What, what gets me closest to that? And it was good. You know, it's like, you know, find a recipe, sprinkle it with oil, put it in the oven 22 minutes. And you have salmon, and it worked, right? Um, but but you know, over time, it gets to for me at least, it turned into there's there's got to be more than this this 22 minute salmon in the oven. There's got to be other flavors. There could be other ways to make it. Even today with beef, there's thousands of ways to cook beef, and I'm still learning. You know, maybe I know like 50 of those versions of 
thousands of versions. So there's always opportunities to learn something new. And a lot of the recipes I look at now, it's, I like the recipe, but could I do this a little bit differently? Could I, instead of just throwing it in the oven and roasting it, can I maybe introduce the sous vide? Maybe I could take it outside and do something, a part of the cook or even all the cook outside. Taking those different styles that I've learned over two years and, and seeing how I can merge them together, melt them together, or even just learn something new along the way. You know, for me, it's, it's, that's the fun part is the, is learning something new. Yeah. I, I find it's really tough to get the oven outside so I can cook outside. <laughs> you know, you'd be surprised what you can do with, uh, with a grill. You know, if you, if you know that temperature, you know, it's, you can get that grill about the same temperature, but something the oven doesn't do is it doesn't put wood or charcoal or that extra flavor into it. You know, I feel like a, an oven is like a safe space. You know, it goes in the oven. There's, it's environmentally not going to change unless, unless your oven's, you know, got tons of bird stuff on the inside, but that's a, that's a whole other flavor. Um, but, you know, even like, the, you know, pellet grills, I, I mean, I have one and I use mine often and you get a pretty consistent temperature in those, you know, you can program the front of it and you get pretty close to it, to an oven like temperature. You know, a lot of people bake in their pellet grills, which, you know, I still, I just I'm still amazed by that because I'm a terrible baker, even with an oven, even in a controlled situation. And yet people are smoking, you know, muffins or bread or, you know, th cinnamon rolls, you know, things that are typically oven only. And here they are outside on a grill cooking the same thing. And I think that type of experiment, you know, just wasn't as big a thing maybe three years ago, four years ago. And now it's, you see it all the time. Yeah. So is there like a, is there a technique that you go to more often that you go back to? Like let's say for steak, for instance, is there, is there a technique that you like? Like, do you like the sous vide or like what, which one do you go back to more? Um, for, for me, it's a reverse sear. I think reverse sear for me is how I like my steak. And, and I think, you know, steak's a, same way with like Texas barbecue or brisket, you know, it's, there's so many ways to cook it. And it's hard to say any one of those is the wrong way to do it. You know, I think it's, it's more of a flavor profile. So for me, it's a reverse sear, usually with charcoal or, you know, maybe a chunk of wood in, uh, in with the charcoal, let it get to a certain temperature, then bring it over to the hot side and, and sear the outside. To me, that's, that's my bread and butter. What if I want a steak? If I have, you know, friends coming over and there's a lot of different cuts of steak that are going to be cooked, um, you know, maybe it's five, six people, someone wants a filet, someone wants a ribeye, you know, somebody wants a, a sirloin. I may put those on the pellet grill just to get them smoked and then take them over to a charcoal grill and, and then sear them that way. It's the same idea, but I'm using two different grills to get, you know, basically the same outcome. Have you ever made anything one way and th and thought I'm never gonna do that again? Yeah, yeah, I fail, I fail all the time. Uh, it, you know, and I think that's uh, you know, there's there's been times where I've cooked something on the grill and it, it came out really dried out, you know, because I either didn't put moisture back into it or didn't spray it or maybe the temperature was off. Um, I've has a lot of failures with sous vide as well, where I thought I was you know gonna create something amazing and then. Uh, Take it out of the bag after it cooking for 18 hours and realize, yeah, I messed up <laughs> and I can't take those 18 hours back now because there's, there's nothing to do about it. Holy shit. So explain, you keep mentioning this sous vide. So explain exactly what, what it is to everyone. Cause I'm not even exactly sure myself. Yeah. So, so sous vide is, uh, is, you know, it, it's a European method of, of cooking at a finished temperature instead of at a high temperature. Um, ideally, what you typically do is you have, well, I'll just use the steak. Steaks, the steaks, you know, the best example is you have your steak and you vacuum seal it inside of a, inside of a plastic bag uh, or silicone bag. There's, there's lots of options out there to, for your container. And inside the bag, you may put in some butter, you may put in some seasoning, and then you're putting it in water. So, so how do you guys like your steaks? What? You like Great. medium, medium rare, well done, burnt. I like my medium. Yeah, I like a nice medium rare. 
All right, so we'll just say for fun, you guys like your steak at 125 degrees in the middle, just for fun. You may like it 130, maybe like 132, depends on, on who's cooking it. But so the idea is, you know, when you cook a steak on a grill or on a pan or, you know, even a broiler, you're cooking at a really high temperature. You know, it could be 400 degrees, 500 degrees, 600 degrees, 700 degrees. That's a really high temperature. And you're trying to get the middle part of the steak, that temperature that you like. So it may be 700 degrees in, on the grill. And you're trying to get that little middle part to, you know, 125 degrees. But the rest of the steak is not 125 degrees. It's not medium rare, closer to the outside. It's usually a little bit more cooked, a little more, more tough. Whereas with sous vide, if I said you want the steak at 125 degrees, the water temperature you're cooking at is 125 degrees. So when you cook it at the steak, well, and typically it might be three hours for a steak. It might be a little longer, a little shorter, depending on the cook. When you take it out of the water, the entire steak is what you're trying to get the middle to when you're cooking on a grill. So that entire steak is going to be pink all the way through or a little bit you know, brighter than pink. And it's cooked all the way through at that temperature. Now, the challenge is the outside doesn't look very nice. You know, it, it, it's, it's a piece of meat that's 125 degrees. It's the center of the steak. It's not as a, not as visually appealing as you may want because you want, you know, a little bit of crust on the outside. You want it to be a little more firm on the outside. You want it to look like a steak. So what you can do is you can take the steak out. You can throw it on a hot grill, you know, that 700 degree grill, crisp up the outside. And the majority of the steak is going to be at that temperature that you actually like versus having just that little middle part at the temperature that you really like. Yeah. So, so when you sous vide, you typically cook for a longer period of time. So for that steak that, you know, you could cook on the grill in like 20 minutes, it may take two hours. It may take three hours. Um, I like to cook a lot of like big cuts of meat in sous vide. So I may have a piece of meat cooking at a temperature for 18 hours, 24 hours, 30 hours. And over that time, it's, it's getting the meat to get really tender. It's breaking down the, some of the connecting tissue, some of the fat, and it's not melting it away, but it's making it tender all the way through. And then while it's in the bag, it's also basting in its own juices. So it's not adding in extra salt. It's not extra flavor. It's really the meat cooking within the meat. And, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll take it out and either torch it or sear it just so it looks more presentable. But sometimes I don't. Sometimes I just eat it right out of the bag because I already know it's done. It's already cooked. And if I'm the only person eating it, honestly, I'd rather it just taste good than look pretty. Right. Now, do you flavor it with anything before you put it into the bag or? Well, it, it depends on what it is. I'll actually make a uh, pulled pork that way. So I'll take like a whole like pork shoulder and. You know, I'll season it the same way if I was going to put it on the smoker and then vacuum seal it. So all that flavor is staying within the bag. It's it's soaking back into the meat. I do a steak. I may salt it. May may add a little bit of butter just for a little extra fat. Um, garlic. That's really about it. Because, again, the, the meat is already flavorful and none of the juices are running out. So everything is staying really compact inside the back. They'd go good with those uh, hard-boiled eggs that take forever that you make, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, people, you know, people cook eggs in it. I started cooking shrimp in sous vide fairly recently, which is something I thought would never really work. And I can take shrimp, take off the peels, put a little bit of butter, a little bit of seasoning inside the bag, 115 degrees, cook it for, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And they're perfectly poached shrimp, which... You know, it's incredible flavor. It's not, you know, not all the extra salt. It's not extra the frying. It's not all. And the cleanup is really easy. I just throw the bag away. That, that's my cleanup. Yeah. Is that like, what's the most challenging, like, method to to cook, I guess? Sous vide, definitely, for me. Yeah, I guess we're, we'll stick with steak. So steak is, like, the most common thing that people make. Is that is that, the like, the most challenging way to do it, the sous vide? Um, it, it can be, I mean, there, there's a lot of, you know, things you can reference on the internet of how to cook a steak in sous vide. 
Um, and then it's the finishing part of it. But I think the ones that are harder are the things that take longer. Like if you were to cook like a six pound chuck roast in a water bath, you're taking a leap of faith because you're going to cook it for 24, 30 hours. And it's not like the oven where you can like kind of pull the door down, look inside, you know, take a temperature of it. Is it still tender? Is it still, you know, is it still doing things? It's in a, it's in a water bath. Uh, <laughs> you kind of, you kind of hope for the best because you can see it. You can look at it. I mean, you could like grab the bag and like feel the bag, but you really have no idea what's going on until you really pull it out. So you could be really well with your math and time, or you could be way off. And I've had a lot that have been way off. But when you get those, you know, that sweet spot of time, temperature, seasoning, cut of meat, it's a, it's a pretty magical thing. Now, when you do fail, though, like when you if you open the bag too soon, you can still fix it by cooking it another way, right? You can still finish yeah. it like another yeah, way, you right? Can, you can fix it. Uh, there's some things you can fix and there's some things you can't fix. You know, a texture thing is something you can never fix. Yeah. You know, a temperature thing you can fix, but if it's a texture thing, if it comes out kind of mushy, there's not much you can do with mushy meat <laughs> other than maybe chop it up and, and put it in a pan and, you know, turn it into tacos or something. Right. Going back to the uh, the experimental stuff. So how do you come up with these, uh, the new recipe ideas? Uh, usually it starts with a crazy idea. You know, I'll, I'll watch like a, a video or, you know, a cooking show or watch a, a buddy of mine's reel and like, oh, okay, they did something really cool. And then like something in my brain kind of clicks and goes, yeah, he could totally do that a different way. And let's do it the most insane possible way. And it's kind of bounces in my head for about a week. And I'll start writing things on my whiteboard, like, you know, maybe I could try this or maybe I could do this or start trying to figure out, you know, maybe the time or the temperature with it and see what happens. Um, and there, there's been times where, you know, I'll rewrite the recipe 50 times trying to get it closer to what I think it could be. And I might do like, you know, some shorter cooks just to try something out. You know, maybe instead of cooking a whole roast, maybe I cook like a smaller steak or with the, the same general concept, but not, not wasting a, you know, six pound piece of meat versus a, you know, here's a eight ounce steak that has the same, same kind of characteristics to it. Right. And you've been partnering with a lot of different, uh, like spices and, and different companies too, that, uh, with, right. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been very fortunate to, to work with a lot of good partners. So I have partners who, are you know small farms across the United States who offer you know really great quality meat, uh, spice companies, sauce companies, charcoal companies, grill companies, uh, sous vide companies. So it's been you know a really good opportunity for me to to try new things because you know, there are those times where you're like, yeah, I don't need any more spices. I got tons of them in my spice cabinet, and then suddenly it's I don't have one of those. Though. That that sounds like a like a unique blend or something different than, than what I currently have. So uh, let's see, what's the most challenging di dish that you've ever prepared and how did it turn out? Probably brisket is still probably my big challenge meal because uh, I don't make a lot of brisket. And even when I do, I, I still don't think it's great. I, you know, I think it's good. But, you know, there's so many people who can make brisket day in and day out. And don't really have a challenge with it. You know, it's just like in their nature, like I do this, I do this, I could trim it, throw it on my offset grill and just make magic out of it. And I don't think I'm quite there yet because every time I make a brisket, I do something different and I haven't quite like figured out that one way to make it perfect every time. Yeah. I have yet to try uh, making a brisket. Um, it's uh, it, it takes a long time, right? For brisket. Like it's, yeah, so what do they say? Yeah, low so, and slow, right? Yeah, so it's low and it's a labor of love. It's it's not a you know four hour cook and it's done. It's you know it could be twelve hours, it could be sixteen hours, it could be twenty hours, and you're not in control over it. You know it it's it's time and temperature and waiting for every all the magic to happen and uh, you know there's some cheats around it, but at the end of the day, the meats meats in control of the cook. Um, going back to the experimental stuff, 
are there any ingredients that you're obsessed with that you like that you use all the time and any that you won't that you've used that you won't use again oh that's that's a great question um something something i'm doing more with recently is kimchi trying to find different ways to use it because it has you know such a unique taste unique unique spice profile to it um and that's that's been one i've been really experimenting with a little bit lately it hasn't really shown up in a lot of my reels because I had a lot of failures along the way. But uh, but but it's a fun one because the things that I have posted with it have been you know really really exciting ones. I made some muffins uh, a couple of weeks ago with span and kimchi inside the cheese muffins, which are things you would never consider things that go together. Maybe spam and kimchi on their own, or maybe like spam and cheese on their own, but not kimchi spam and cheese. And a muffin and uh that was a fun one that, that was definitely one of those more crazy ideas um and it, it did spin around in my head for a while just trying to you know how can i not mess this up <laughs> uh even though it's you know just muffins it was still it was still one of those it just it just kind of it just kind of clicked um as far as things to stay away from that's, that's that's a really tough one too because I like I like to really try everything. Um, I have made some fish dishes that, you know, from a bone perspective, um, you know, slicing the fish and then the bones are all over the place. Uh, that's been one that I I tend to I could say mess up a little bit, but I could do a better job of choosing my fish when I do some of these dishes that, you know, it's oh yeah, let me put this fish in this stir fry and then you know, as I'm eating it, I'm like. Tweez, tweezer and out bones like all through the whole meal. Uh, so fish, I think, are, are, is one I tend to maybe lean away from as much as I can, just because that one reason. Do you have like a group of friends? Like who who's trying all these dishes? Or you have a girlfriend, a wife, or you have a group of friends? Like every time you make one of these dishes, come over and try this, or is it like how does that work? Yeah, how do you know? I mean, if, like, how do you know if it's? I mean, you, your your taste buds are obviously, you know, you know if it's good or not. But how do you know if other people are going to like it? Yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little skewed on what I eat because I tend to like either I like it or I don't, or you know, it's it, it is what it is. But you know, neighbors, friends, family, you know, I think they're all all good good people to try things out with. You know, there used to be the joke that you know people either come over for a steak and be ruined by it because their expectation of a steak has suddenly changed. You know, I've had people call me after coming over for a steak and like, you know, I was out at this steak restaurant and it just wasn't good anymore. And I just paid a lot of money for the steak that I'm not happy with. Like you've like ruined my steak experience for me. But, you know, during COVID, you know, I had a neighbor that was a couple doors down and, you know, we got in the habit of just, you know, making a big dish and then part of that dish went over to his house and or his wife would make something. Part of that dish would come back over to my house. And, you know, I think that was a good good time for me to, you know, let other people try my food during COVID and uh, as well as try, you know, the food that they were making, too, because they were making things that I didn't make and I was making food they didn't make. So it was it was a win win. But, yeah, it's 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 great to have neighbors who are, are hungry because there's always a lot being made and uh, I typically tend to overcook a lot too. Yeah. And I think we're, we're both in Florida, so I might, might be getting a knock on your door here one of these nights. I gonna say I'm not that far away from you. Uh, <laughs> and it's a very short drive down uh, 275. Yeah. Uh, so like before this, before the, all, the whole Instagram stuff, what were you doing? And are you still, do you still have like a side job? Are you still or yeah. like a regular full-time job? Well, you know, the, you know, this really is the hobby, you know, it, you know, sure. I, at, the, at the end of the day, what I do here is a hobby, you know, it's a hobby that I could stop at any time. It's, you know, if it became something that, you know, just interfered with everything, I could stop it. Um, I'd still cook, you know, I just wouldn't pull my phone out to film it. <laughs> you know, that would be sure. the difference. But I do have, you know, I do have a real job, which, you know, it, you know, it provides a little bit of flexibility with some of the cooking because, you know, I, I, kind of joke that, you know, I may do part of the prep work before work, you know, since I work at home. So it gives me a little bit of flexibility. So I could do some prep, you know, before I start that first call of the day or that first email. Um, and then I get, you know, a little break at lunch. I can, you know, do either some more prep work or maybe do part of the cook. And then once it hits, you know, 
time to time to clock off, I can then finish the cook. Um, with being in Florida, being on the you know western side of Florida, you know, the sun stays out a little bit longer. So in the spring and the fall, you know, I can definitely cook a little bit later, get better lighting. Summertime, it's you know always super hot. So if there's anything I can shortcut inside the house during the day, it's a win. Um, but yeah, you know, but at the same time, you know, my lunches, my lunches used to be just stay at work during lunch, you know, stay in front of the screens and you know, not walk, move too far away. But now with the cooking part, it, it gives me a little bit of a distraction to move away from the screens, take a break, walk around, go outside for 30 minutes. And maybe it's cook something on the grill or, you know, take, you know, take my prep table outside and, you know, go prep for 30 minutes outside in the sun and, you know, step away and, you know, just distract myself for 30 minutes and then come back refocus after lunch, which is, Something I didn't always get when I was even in the office. Um, you know, in the office, it was, oh yeah, I should go take lunch, <laughs> and then like rush back to my desk. And now it's, you know, I, I do have a, a distraction most days to force myself to reset the brain a little bit, which uh, I think helps helps me be a little more rounded at work and definitely more focused in the afternoon versus uh, I've never left my screen for the whole day. Right. So uh, you said before this, you weren't really much of a cook before you started doing it, you know, um, for yourself and uh, for the Instagram stuff. Have you since then decided to take any classes? Like, have you gone to any cooking classes or anything? Or is it all just stuff you've learned on your own? Yeah, I mean, I've, you know, obviously watched a lot of YouTube videos like a lot of people. Um, I haven't taken any formal classes. You know, I I was at a barbecue fest a couple couple months ago, and to me that was really like a life learning lesson at that point because I was watching competition teams. I had the opportunity to do a little volunteering and and helping some of the teams in their prep, and I was asking a lot of questions like, why do you guys do it this way? Why why did why does your temperature have to be like right here? That's not the temperature I would use. You know what's in your rub? What's in your sauces? And you know most people would share to a certain extent like. How they were doing things and you know and you know the nice part about the cooking community on instagram is people are willing to answer questions even if it's they don't want to give you the whole answer they may give you like 75 percent of how they did something but those have been really the the life learning lessons for me is just asking people like how did you do that or why did you do that because i i don't know why you did that <laughs> you know i'm not a cook i haven't really been in the kitchen my whole life and then you know people open up and say well this is why i put this type of sugar in or this is why i put butter here versus at the beginning um and those have really been the the best learning moments for me versus a more traditional cooking class where it's you know cut this way do this salt this way do this this way and i think uh learning from people who are doing what i'm doing has, has been probably the most helpful for me Sure. Yeah. Some of the, I mean, some of the best places that I've ever been to as far as like barbecue and stuff like that, those, those people have never been to a cooking class in their life. It makes a huge difference. That's for, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So like, what are you doing to stay? I mean, cause you're not like, it doesn't look like you're gaining any weight from all this food that you're cooking. How do you, how are you balancing like the, to stay fit? Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I don't eat everything as in the portions that I cook it. I think that's that's uh, probably number one. And and you know, I do you know walk my treadmill a lot, <laughs> whether it's you know while I'm at work. You know, I have a, a small treadmill that I can walk during work, or I can, you know, even after work, I can go out for a walk. I can get some exercise, uh, and it's also moderation to a lot of a lot of extent. So. You know, obviously, if you look at my feet, it's like, oh, my God, he eats meat like every single day and like big portions of meat every single day. But I know there's a lot of a lot of greens. There's a lot of salads. There's a lot of other things that just never make it to to Instagram, probably because I know my audience. If I started posting salad, salad posts, I, I probably lose followers and, and very big swings. Um, but at the same time, I do like to post the occasional salad or something just to show that people I, I am eating greens. Um, my doctor, who's probably going to watch this podcast, knows that, you know, <laughs> I do cook green things. I do eat green things because 
she does remind me every time I'm, I'm there or she'll see me post like a bunch of steak like consistently and then she'll like send me a message and like are you, are you eating vegetables because I don't see any <laughs> so it's uh so if I could block my doctor that would be great but uh at the same time it's a good it's a good catch-all to have somebody like that paying attention to what you're eating even if it's not uh good or bad and you know it's it, it's nice to have that extra audience out there sure so like not only are you learning to to cook like were you filming you weren't filming anything before they're like that's all new too right learn it like doing the whole oh, yeah like, i mean yeah, when, I, when I started it was just taking and, a photo i mean it was yeah. like oh, oh here's the plate here's a photo my plating was terrible you know I, i'm still surprised people even liked the things that i was posting because it didn't look like restaurant quality you know it definitely had the yeah this guy's just randomly taking a photo of his food <laughs> and it got better over time but i do feel like the video when i started doing that 100 percent, it changed the way that i was presenting the food so i was showing more of the prep i was showing more of how we got there not just not the finished product on the plate and you know i think i think that adds a little bit to it i know a lot of people are you know front and center in their reels you know they're talking through their reels and for me i just want to focus on the food and, and how i got there um i think i've done one voiceover like on my entire like two-year journey and i think probably me being in my reels is probably like less than 10. um and i know a lot of people want to see the person behind the cook but for me i, I like to focus on the food and the food and the technique Sure. Yeah. And like, I've done a couple of videos of food here and there and like, it's a pain in the ass, man. So like props to you because it's, it's a pain in the ass to, you know, you're prepping everything and then you have to cook everything. And then you're, then you're like, Oh shit, I forgot to, I forgot to take a video of this. And like, there's been so many meals where I've filmed like the whole prep of everything. And then I completely forget to like take a picture or film the finished product. And it's like, it was, everything was a waste. It's like, uh, so like yeah. it, it's that's it's a lot of work well the the thing for me is, is i probably i probably film it differently than a lot of folks so i'm editing my head as i'm actually filming it so it's like instead of filming like the whole like hour it takes to cook it i may only film like maybe 30 seconds or maybe like a minute tops and usually i feel like i have enough two three five second cuts that i can piece something together that keeps it fairly short, fairly small and tells, tells the story in a way that, okay, I got how I got there. Yeah. Versus, because the, the videos can only be a minute long anyway, right? Well, you can make them longer. I mean, you can make them as, as long as you want, but the, the attention span for folks is, is not <laughs> as long as you, you probably want it to be, especially right. on, you know, platforms like Instagram where, you know, people are scrolling really fast. If you don't grab the attention in the first three seconds, then they've already moved on to the next video. And something I like to look at is average watch time on videos, which is, you know, I think when I first post things like in the morning, like the numbers are really high. So if I go like, like check at lunchtime, usually the watches are pretty long. However, when I go back in like in the evening and just, you know, see how something's doing, the watch times have greatly shrunk because you went from the I'm interested to the I'm just casually browsing. And I found that at least with my my audience, the morning viewers tend to be the the longer viewers. Like, what do you attribute that to? Uh, I think people are waking up, trying to figure out their day, and you know they're uh, they don't have as many distractions as they do in the afternoon. Because I'm the same way. You know, once it gets to lunchtime or even in the evening, I've already had a full day of distraction. Versus like first thing in the morning, it's like yeah, I can spend a little bit more time looking at the thing I might want to have for lunch or dinner. Versus I'm already hungry at lunchtime. I just want to like come in and go out and like go do something else. Now, will will you like meal prep for a whole week? Like you said, you don't, you're not eating these, you know, the whole thing at once. So like, will you make, will you meal prep for yourself? I I do a little bit of that. Um, I I do a lot of, a lot of collaborations with a lot of companies. So sometimes I have a little bit of a schedule of, you know, I need to post maybe these three things this week. Um, or maybe even, you know, sometimes it's even high as six things in a week. So that helps me plan a little bit, maybe not for that week, but the week before that. So I may end up with a lot of leftovers doing, uh, you know, some of these bigger cooks or collaboration cooks. And 
I do a lot of things with leftovers, which I don't think people really attribute to where they may see the same steak or same cut of meat, maybe three times, four times. And that helps me really like fill out the, some of the posting as well. So it, it, so even though it's one big cook, it may turn into four, four reels of four different things. Leftovers for me are like, you know, like King for a lot of reasons. One, you know, lunchtime, I can put something together really fast. I may post it. I may not post it, but you know, even, even like right now, I haven't cooked since, I mean, like really cooked since Thursday. Like I haven't cooked really anything big since Thursday, but yet I have enough content from, you know, some other cooks that I can kind of fill in days when I just want to take off and maybe, you know, eat a salad or <laughs> eat something more green for a couple of days um, just to balance things out. Sure. Uh, you, you mentioned watching a lot of YouTube stuff, you know, to get uh, ideas. Who are some of your, you know, influences, culinary influences or favorite chefs that you've watched? Oh, you know, I like a lot of the like over the fire cooking. You know, those are the ones that always tend to grab my attention first. But I also like a lot of the classical, classically trained cooks, too, because I'm not going to cook that way. But it's how could I cook that meal more my way? Could I shortcut things? Could I do something a little bit different? Um, could I still get the, you know, the crazy, you know, culinary expert plate, but, but do it more in my style. And, uh, you know, it, it makes it fun, uh, for me. It's like, well, it's the same dish, but it's, it went two different directions to get there. Uh, it probably tastes a hundred times different too, but in my brain, it's just as good as their dish. Um, they may question and go, yeah, it, it's not the same dish, but for me, it's like, well, it's the same idea. It might work. <laughs> you put them next to each other. One's probably way better than the other. And uh, it might be mine. It might be theirs. Who knows? Have you ever seen that guy? I think his name's like Guga or something like that. He, in one of the videos I watched, he cooked a steak like, you know, 27 different ways in one in one video. You ever see that, dude? Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen his. And I think like some of his videos are, are actual cooking videos. And I think some of them are just we have time and time and money. We can just destroy what some Wagyu and, you know, covered in chocolate and like, we'll make something and you watch the guys try it at the end and you're like, this was terrible. I'm like, my budget's not that big to uh, waste a expensive piece of Wagyu. Right. Yeah. That, well, I think that dude, he's getting, yeah, he's getting a lot of that stuff sent to him for free just to make those videos as well to promote their stuff. You know, if somebody sends me a steak. I want to treat it you know, like a, like what it is, it, you know, it's something nice. It's something they sent. They work really hard to, you know, to make something quality. I don't want to ruin it. I want to just, you know, highlight it as much as I can. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I just have a couple more questions here. We'll just run down through. Uh, what is your favorite kitchen gadget or tool that you cannot live without? What can it be an outdoor kitchen tool? <laughs> it can be, yeah, anything, man. Uh, it's gotta be my, my, uh, pk 300 so it's the it's my main grill outside um when i bought it, it it definitely changed the way i cooked i went from yeah kind of a you know like everybody else the same charcoal or gas grill and, and i got that and it, it really got me to, to change the way i cook meat outside you know really understanding meat you know the meat temperature airflow um, how to control you know heat charcoal wood whatever it may be but it really really changed the way i cooked i went from being an okay outdoor cook to a better outdoor cook who understood what things meant nice that's the way i feel with when i'm cooking on my blackstone even though i probably have no idea what i'm doing <laughs> but i love that fucking thing well, you know and I, I think like for me like that's probably the one thing i cook on the least is you know kind of more that I don't think it's because I, I don't like it. I do like it when I use it. For me, it's it's just the it's the cleanup and everything else that goes with oh, it. And it's a pain. You, know, you got to take care of it. You got to season <laughs> it. And like I said, when I use it, I love it. Like I'll go for like a week and I'll cook nothing but you know anything on a flat top for a week. And then it gets to a point where it's just like, oh, I got to reseason it again. I got to like you know do all these steps. And then I'll I'll put it away and like not touch it for like three months. 
Yeah, that is the worst part of it. After, you know, but but I think of it this way: if you're cooking, you know, if you're cooking all that different stuff on, uh, you know, on your oven or on, you know, on your stove, you have all those different dishes that you have to wash and all that stuff. At least with the blackstone, it's just one thing that you have to clean. Oh, absolutely! I I did this jambalaya dish on it a couple couple months ago and loved it like because it was only one thing i had to clean at the end it was like if i had like normally cooked this i would be cleaning like pans and pots and yeah it was it was a win what's the most underrated ingredient that you think people should try more uh kimchi definitely kimchi Kimchi. probably because i'm on a kimchi kick right now but (laughs) you know it, it it's a flavor profile that i think most people just don't have a lot of experience with you know, it's usually I go to the Korean restaurant. They give me like the little little bowl of it, like that big, and you have like three bites of it, and and you're done. But it's such you know, I think of like chimichurri is like a good good comparison. You know, five ten years ago, you didn't see chimichurri that many places. You know, you go to like the Brazilian steakhouse, or be like a little bowl of it. But now you see chimichurri like all over the place, and I feel like I've never kimchi. heard of that. But chimichurri, really? Yeah. Oh man, like the green sauce for beef, it's pretty, pretty magical. And it, it, but it was invisible, you know, you only saw it in certain places, but now it's in so many places. So many people are using it for so many things. I feel like kimchi's like right about there to really blowing up because, you know, it's something that's popping up more in grocery stores, like regular grocery stores, not just uh, Asian grocery stores. And it has a lot of health benefits to it. You know, it's it's you know fermented cabbage and vegetables, and it's got a nice kick to it. So I think you know, it's one of those dishes that people underrate because there's just not a lot of people using it for different things. Going back to the to the kitchen gadgets or tools that you can't live without, are there any products that you have used that people say, you know, this is the best thing ever, and then you you use it and you're like, you just don't get it. Uh, Instant pot. That that's probably one. I mean. I like mine. I use it every now and then, but it, but it doesn't, for me, it doesn't really save the world. And I know there's tons of people who just love it, love it to death. And, uh, you know, I, I found like a couple of dishes I like in it, but that's, that's about it. I can, I can cook anything else, you know, other ways. And to me, it just comes out that much better. What is an Instapot? It's a, basically it's a pressure cooker, um, mm. where you can, you know, you can sear some things, you can, up all your vegetables or meat or whatever and put the pressure cook on it cooks it in you know a third of the time it's basically like a rice maker for the most part yeah Mm. yeah that's a that's a good comparison it's a it's a it's a giant rice cooker you know that's Mm -hmm. if you like rice casey that'd be great for you to get one of those because that's really the 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 main thing you can cook in one of those is rice and a lot of it yeah rice we'll get one tomorrow rice soups (laughs) I like, I like making short ribs in it. Like, I feel like I can't mess them up if I put them in there, you know, sear the beef, put all your, you know, aromatics in there and then pour some wine on top of it, seal the top, pressure cook it for like 90 minutes and it comes out perfect. But again, it's, I know people who are like, oh, I use mine like seven days a week. And I'm like, I use mine like once every three months. <laughs> Have you ever cooked a dish that surprised you? with how delicious it turned out that you were, that you were shocked that you were, you know, questioning it going in and then. Oh, I definitely, uh, uh, smoke crab legs. That, that is the one that I was scared of. And now it's the only way that I actually cook crab legs now. Really? I was, you know, cause crab legs, I mean, we're in Florida, so they're usually, you know, fairly, fairly inexpensive, but even so when you buy crab legs, it's, even if they're cheap, they're still a decadent thing, at least for in my brain, you know, they're still a nice thing. And, uh, you know, even even the place where I buy crab legs at, they're like, you don't smoke crab legs. Like, no, you put them in, you steam them, you, you boil them, you, you whatever, but you don't, you don't smoke them. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I've done it now, I don't know, 10, 20 times. And every time I have them, they're just, just incredible. And it, it's something that, shouldn't work but it works really well for me nice they don't get they're not dry or anything they're no no so you know they they come out super super steamed just like they normally would they just have that extra smoke flavor to them nice sounds good 
Can you share a memorable cooking disaster or mis mishap that has taught you something valuable? Yeah, so uh, so my pellet grill, I burned some steaks one time because I didn't clean my pellet grill the way that you're supposed to. <laughs> so it came out, so, you know, everything was good, went outside and, uh, you know, grabbed a beer, went back out, and there was just a big fireball in my pellet grill and uh, I realized I, I need to be better about cleaning my grill at that point. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I... If it was if I filmed it, it would probably have been a really comical, high viewed uh, Instagram thing. I'd probably be famous for it at this point. <laughs> uh, shit. All right, last question for me: uh, What is your ultimate cooking goal or dream project? Dream goal is to spend more time at some of the larger barbecue festivals. Um, I don't know if I want to be in the, on the competition side, but but spending more time in that area. Um, you know, I really enjoy being around the, the barbecue community. And every time I'm around uh, an event, I learn something or get to know people in, in a way that's not just about the food. You know, food tends to bring people together and barbecue community has a lot of good people in it. And, you know, whether it's on the you know, promotion of one of the brands that I work with or even someone brave enough to uh, put me on their competition team for a weekend. So if anybody's listening still looking for someone to be brave and uh you know just just spend the weekend of just cooking and, and having a good time you know for me that's that's the goal um i have a lot of a lot of respect for the people who do that week in and week out and you know i think if i put what i normally cook next to competition barbecue i'd finish the last place you know i, I think it, it you know there's a certain bible for every type of barbecue and uh i think mine tends to Tends to hang outside of that Bible a little bit. So I think it would be a little humbling for me, but at the same time, it'd be kind of fun to, to question why those are, those are the norms. Yeah, you got to start small though, man. Do you, don't mm -hmm. be afraid. Jump in there. Oh yeah. Yeah. Trust me. I got, I got a few people who are in my ear to, uh, you know, sign up and do a competition this year. So I'm also hoping that someone will, uh, say, you know, I need someone to wash dishes. Hey, Bill, you want to be on our competition team? <laughs> There you go. I'll come down and test some of the barbecue, and then and we'll de we'll decide from there. Well, you gotta get to come down for a weekend or something. We'll we'll have to figure something out. You're not that far away. Absolutely, man. What else do you have for Bill, Ray? Okay. Do you have a kiss the chef apron? I do not have a kiss the chef apron, but I do have some other aprons that, that that's been a very popular gift for some reason. <laughs> I was going to say, if you could get your own custom apron, what would it say on it? Oh, man. Uh, if you don't like it, don't eat it. I mean, that would probably be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, awesome, all I that's all I had. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, please uh, plug away where people can find you. If there's any, uh, any of your sponsors you want to plug, please, this is the time where you do that. Yeah, definitely uh, cook with Bill. I'm on Instagram. I'm also on TikTok. If you want the full story, it's always Instagram. If you want the highlight story, it's it's TikTok. Um, as far as sponsors, I have some really good ones. You know, if you go off my profile, click on my profile, there's a link to a lot of deals. And a lot of these deals, I don't get paid for. I just support, you know, brands that have supported me, especially the small farms. Uh, all the farms I work with are grass-fed, grass-finished, regenerative farms. I think, uh, you know, we're, we buy a lot of bad meat at the grocery store, and uh, I've learned a lot of what you shouldn't buy at the grocery store by working with these farms and, uh, you know, support those local farms. They're, they're doing incredible things, and they get it. You know, they're trying to do better by all of us, and uh, meat's more nutrient-rich and tastes a whole lot better. And uh, if you guys have questions about, you know, where to buy meat, Shoot me a message. I'm happy, happy to help with that. Yeah, that's uh, that's absolutely true. I found a, a farmer's market here in Tallahassee every Saturday. And, you know, you, people might complain that, you know, it, it is a little more expensive. But like Bill said, the the, the quality and the, the taste of it is just so much better. It's yeah, there's, I, there's no denying that. Yeah, it, I'm lucky right now. I have two local local to me farms and. The stuff that they're providing me is just just incredible. Um, and I get pork from a, a farm in Missouri, 1984 Farms, by far the best pork in the United States. And I've had a lot and they 
everything delivers just amazing. Awesome, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this, man. And uh, if people want the recipe, you don't post the recipes, right? You have, people have to ask you or, or message you for the recipes, right? Well, sometimes I post the recipe and, you know, if you read the descriptions, I get you halfway, if not okay. three quarters of the way, but always happy <laughs> to help people if they want to try something new, do something different. Um, you know, there's a lot of people I talk to all the time and, you know, bounce ideas off of each other. So it's a, it's a, a lot of fun to, to hear where people are and, you know, I learn just as much as I give out. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Awesome, man. Thank you for taking the time to do this, man. I, I like yeah, watching absolutely. your stuff. It inspired me to, to start posting some of my stuff. It's cool. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, guys. And, uh, you know, also appreciate all the likes and follows you guys have been uh, sending my way. So definitely appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Thanks so much. Yeah. All right, buddy. All right, See you thanks. later.